All right, you're listening to what? The Desiree Show. What's your name? Jeremy Ray. Okay, you want to say it again? <laughs> this is Jeremy Ray, and you're on The Desiree Show. Hi, it's Dave Berkfold, and you're watching The Desiree Show. Wait, watching. I said watching. I can't say watching. Okay. Hi, this is Dave Berkfold, and you're listening to The Desiree Show. What up? Happy Wednesday. Greetings. This is The Desiree Show. First downs and flip tricks. It is the ninth day of November. I've got a great show for you tonight. Uh, from East to West, New York to San Diego, dropping in with ripping iconic skateboarder creator Spencer Fujimoto. Uh, at the bottom of the hour, I'm staying in California. I'm going a little south. Uh, longtime San Diego sports journalist and author of Game of My Life, San Diego Chargers, Jay Paris. And he will we'll also delve a little bit into the outcome of Measure C here in San Diego in regards to the Chargers. Uh, the day after the 2016 presidential election, I must say... I had to get off social media today. Uh, the negativity and hate was just too great. Um, I don't care who you voted for. Um, we all have that right as Americans. And uh, I do know that no good comes from negativity, and it's contagious, and it makes cancer. Um, I don't know. We are we as a country have a responsibility to, to come together right now. I, I wanted to share something real quick. I don't want to get political. I don't like to talk about politics at all. But um, I wanted to share something that uh, Thrasher's Tony Vitello posted on Instagram today. And it kind of just resonated really well with me. And I thought you guys would enjoy it. Today is a challenging day, but the responsibility is on us to not lash out or run away. It is important to remember that we, the people, are much stronger than any one person. This isn't about politics. It's about how we should treat each other as human beings and about just a bit of empathy and understanding for the stranger across town can go a long way. Love and respect will determine our future. The power is still in our hands. Uh, and I just want to, you know, that's all I'm going to say. And I'm, and again, without further ado, I'm, uh, I'm super, super grateful and thankful to welcome a professional skateboarder. He's the owner and partner and creative director of Elsinore New York Jewelry and the co-host of Skate Nation on the Ride Channel. And seriously, one of the coolest, uh, best energy guys I know um, and human. I'm always thank so you. hyped to see you. It's uh, always such a treat to see you. And huge thanks again, Spencer. I appreciate your time tonight. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I'm here. What's up, y'all? <laughs> What's up? How's New York? <laughs> uh, you know, it's a little rainy right now, but it's nice out. i got like a shirt on, you know. It, 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 the weather is nice. Uh, the atmosphere is it's quiet. It's uh, very quiet. And like uh, the day after, uh, uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just something, I don't know. Whatever. So we're here and, uh, you know, it, man, you know, uh, could always be better, and I could always be worse. You know, things could be way worse, but here we are. You know, what's up? What's going on? No, totally, totally. It can always be worse, and it can always be better. Um, you know, I, it, you know, and I would die for some rain right now. Here, where it's ninety-five here in in San Diego, at five o'clock. Oh my o'clock. god! 
Yeah, it sucks. It's November. That's not good. No, that's that's like dangerous. It's scary. It's scary. Yeah, and there's Santa Ana winds as well. So we're just staying, just keeping the mojo good and positive here, trying uh, and praying for no. uh, no fires, um, but you know you you know you represent respect to me. Um, an amateur in 1989 to 1995, you turned pro in 2000. You know, and then all the way till 2003, raised in NorCal. You know, let's so let's start where it began. Uh, well, you know, I started skating in the Bay, and uh, you know, um, it obviously spoke to me. I was just. Uh, you know, a renegade kid that didn't really fit in anywhere. So, uh, you know, skateboarding really, really spoke to me. Um, you know, I was good at sports. I, I did a bunch of different kinds. And, you know, gymnastics and karate, soccer, football, all that. But, you know, skateboarding was really what kind of drove me. And, um, you know, I really, I'm not even going to say self-accepted, but, I just felt like it was the, uh, I felt the most comfortable skateboarding. So, you know, that's what I stuck to. And, um, I don't know, you know, being pro and stuff, like, it, it seemed like it took forever for it to make it happen, but in the long run, it, you know, it all happened very fast, you know. Really fast and really in a tough time with skateboarding. I mean,. A yeah. little bit. I mean... A little bit, right. In the early 90s, it was kind of on a downtime. You know, but... And, um, you know, I just went like the hardcore cat. And you know, I didn't really even think of it that way. Um, you know, all I, all I was really thinking about was just like, you know, having fun and uh, being with my friends. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, my friends are spread out over like a, you know... 100 mile radius because, uh, you know, there just wasn't a whole lot of us that, you know, like skateboarders now, they have skate parks in almost every city and, uh, like, family programs and stuff at school. And um, training facilities. <laughs> definitely private ones. And, <clears throat> I mean, but that's, you know, that's what I'd like to kind of make a metaphor of my life and my generation of skateboarders is that, um, you know, kind of like the, the same generation, well, similar time of generation of hip-hop artists, which is, you know, the early 90s, and it was just kind of like, it, it was very special, and it was just so new. Yeah. But those people didn't necessarily, like, cash in on the, uh, on, on the stuff, but it, they're, they're totally necessary for, you know, to perpetuate the art or the sport to make it happen. So, you know, I'm not saying I'm Q-Tip or Tommy Durrell, but I'm just saying, you know, every piece of the puzzle is necessary to make it a full picture. No, and you do. And I mean, I was like the biggest wheels I could find were low riders and they were 43s and you Mm. went places and you knew who skated because you looked at their shoes. And I, I, I miss that. Mm. Um, I'm, but I'm grateful that I was. I got to go. I got to skate during that era as well. Mm. You know, having that. You know, knowing knowing people who skated. You know, just by the way their shoes looked when you cruised around. <laughs> right. 
you know if they skate goofy or regular because of have uh, how they're all like, yeah. got their things on. Right. <laughs> totally. And that's thing in like the nineties, you know, like people their switch foot was more fucked up than their, their regular foot, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because in the in the nineties it was just like if you can't skate switch, you just you're never gonna be able to make it. You yeah. have to, you know, do that. <laughs> No, and literally, and going places and skating like random, like you know, ledges. Like we used to go skate these like mini mini malls, like that had you know benches and um, curbs and you know, like you know, I mean that's and that was you know at nighttime and just cruising with your friends. So you know, and that's kind of what it's about. It's just uh, you know having a good time, being with your boys, being with your girls, and enjoying yourself because. so if you're not enjoying life, then what, what's what's worse? Yeah. So now, uh, look for, and also I want to ask, what was your first setup? Uh, my first setup, uh, I had a Veriflex mm-hmm. from uh, from Toys R Us, but that you know that kind of doesn't count. And then I had, uh, and then I had um, my first real setup was a, a Rob Rothkop uh-huh. number four. Uh, where the uh, Terminator dude was busting out into a Terminator at the sign. Mm-hmm. I had a Rob Roscoff, number four, um, with, uh, I think it was stage three Indies and some, I want to say, Slime Balls or OJs. I don't know. I had the full Fantasy setup, <laughs> which was also my first sponsor. I got sponsored by Fantasy Boys in 1989. And that was all through my, my shop sponsor, Gremic. Um That first setup, I actually bought my My father bought it for me um, when they cut the cast off my arm. Uh, I broke my arm when I was like 11 years old on that stupid fucking Veriflex thing. Because uh-huh. the, the trucks, I had the boomerang trucks, you know, like they just, they went and rolled straight. So uh, I had my bike. And um, the kids in my neighborhood were having a, a rubber band fight, and I had one of those like crazy fat, like twelve inch long dookie ass like rubber bands for like a, uh, you know, like the newspaper thing. And um, I'm just like, oh, I'm gonna go home because I got this old rubber band. So I rode the bike home. I grabbed my board and I took it out to that to the, to the street and I, the sidewalk. I, I tried. But I got to get down there. I'm going to do the drive-by because I'm going to have my hands free. So I can hit him with all the rubber bands. It's going to be great. And uh, I was, the, the boomerang truck took me towards the edge of the curb, hit the curb, and those cheap-ass trucks just stopped. And they made like a sound, and uh, I flew forward, broke my arm. I got more messed it up, and my shit was bent. And I was like, this ain't right. Put the board back to the house. I opened up the door very slow and softly, and I hid the skateboard. I just like kind of put it down, took the bike out, put it into the hallway, closed the door, and then kicked the door back open. And she's like, Mom, I need some help. And she comes running and goes, What happened? I go, I fell off my bike. Because I knew if I had broke my arm on the skateboard, that's it, it's over, it's done. There ain't no more, no more of that. So he saw that and was like, oh, shit, your shit is broken. She looked at my pops and was like, yo, you need to go to the hospital. My pops looked at the arm and was like, well, it's not black and blue. It's not broken. 
So I waited for two days and then uh, went to the hospital. My shit was broke. <laughs> but love my dad, love my mom, you know. But uh, yeah, my shit was broke. And it was all from these like wacky boomerang trucks. <laughs> So good. Those boomerangs, so, you know, you gotta have a real setup. That's the thing. You gotta have a real setup. It's it, dangerous it if you don't. Right. <laughs> it doesn't work right. It's like an addict. You're describing like this is an addict, you know, like hiding in like the lies. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, from like hiding it from your parents. Right, <laughs> broke my arm in like 1987. Right, and then two years later, you're you're am. I got sponsored, um, Santa Skateboards, and then, um, you know, I went to Mexico when I was 12, went on tour, um, you know, I met a lot of good people, Alfonso Rawls, Sal Barbier, Alex Popran, all in San Diego, like on my first tour, and, um, we went to Tijuana. I was 12 years old. I went to Tijuana and it was crazy. They like, they sweated me at the, at the border coming back in. It was, it was crazy. Oh, I had fireworks. <laughs> I don't know. I'm wearing fireworks. You know, I'm 12 years old. I don't know. I was like, oh, Mexico? Where? I hear they got fireworks. Uh-huh. So I had like these M80s like stuffed in my fucking drawers, like in my boxes and my socks. They decided to ask me like, you know, all kinds of questions. <laughs> No, I made it through. It was all right. You know, I totally made it through. That's cool. So but, you skated uh, the old TJ Park then. That thing was, that thing, I, I, I never got I to skate to that TJ thing. Park. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, it's a dream of mine to go there, you know, and from that, like, Doug Smith part and the, uh, like, band this or propaganda videos, you know, it's just like, what? Like, Tijuana Skate Park, that looks like the best place ever, you know, like, from, like, seeing, like, Wallows to, like, the Tijuana Skate Park, you know, like, the Powell videos, they just really kind of, like, like, had spots. <laughs> you know, just these, these spots, these mind-blowing spots, like, you know, fuck, man. And Doug Smith actually, like, had his whole part at one, like, kind of wacky part. <laughs> I mean, that shit is, it, it's crazy. Like, to get there... From the border, it's crazy. It takes about an hour and a half or two hours in a cab. You have to know exactly where you're going. And then it ends in a cul-de-sac. And these apartment buildings that you like, it's like multi-levels, like three, three, four levels. And they look abandoned. And you have to, like, walk through this cul-de-sac through, like, these courtyards. It's very kind of project-like. There's no one around. You know what I mean, when I went there, there was no one around. It looked abandoned. And uh, you walk through these courtyards, and there. And it opens up, and in between, like, all these buildings, and you got the skate park. But there's broken glass everywhere. There's puddles everywhere. Anywhere there used to be a puddle, it's like cobblestone. You know, it, 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 the place was super hard to skate and very, like, overrun. And you want to tell us you know, how big like, your wheels were then, too? What was that? How big were your wheels? Oh, uh, let's see. In 89, my wheels were probably about, like, 90, like, 90 millimeters. Okay, okay. <laughs> 80, you know, 80 millimeters. They're, like, giant, bolder ones. Uh-huh. Actually, I had some OJ 
like shit millimeters to see. Uh, 50 millimeters. They're probably like, let's see, the dog town, the canines were 59, right? Was, yeah. The small ones. And then the, the six pack were the real, the Spitfire six pack. Uh, let's see, was that 50? Six, six, it must have been like 65 or so. Okay. 59 or so. Yeah. I don't, no, I was thinking it was from, I was thinking early 90s, so I was thinking like, you know, just caps over Little, here. Not, <laughs> not the cappers. Not, not the, the cappers. cappers. Right on. Uh, now, okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna sort of backtrack here, and hopefully you can, uh, since I'm going to play something for you. Uh, oops. Uh-oh. You... <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. No, no. Uh, here we go. Hopefully this will hey, play. What's up? This is Alex Corcoran. Um... Spencer Fujimoto, I've known him for over 25-something years, met in San Diego. Uh, since the minute I saw him, it's been like magic, it's been amazing. And uh, skating with him throughout the years has been so much fun and inspirational, it's just amazing. Uh, we've been sponsored by at least one or two companies together at the same time. And like I said, he's always been somebody that I always enjoy skating with. Because uh, he he inspires me to go go to the limit. Um, well, actually, no limit. <laughs> uh, let's see. It was kind of hard to understand. It's crazy that I didn't realize that. Is it hard to hear? Spencer, you had to make jewelry. Yeah, it's kind of hard like, to understand. Forever okay. until All one right. day I was like, "Wait, you do okay. this?" Okay, I wasn't. And I saw him just normally, it's out some of the jewelry okay. and I was like wow alright so normally unfortunately uh, normally it we have the the home the line here is for some reason not working so I patched you through from my cell phone into the board but I will send this to you it was from Alex um, it was really cool oh. it was really cool um, and I wanted to share that with you and I'll you know when we uh, load this Cobra in, yeah Cobra yeah Alex Cobra yes who else yes yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, while we're on that vein, unfortunately you can't hear it, but I, I need to say also that um, there's a couple other guys that had something to say. Tim Gavin. I looked at him as my little Japanese brother when we were younger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Tim was a little older than me, and uh, we, we both, well, he both were blind, and I'm both a world, and yeah, he, yeah, it looked like I was an older brother, for sure. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. And Definitely slapped me in my face a few times, you know, a couple of wake-up calls. Kind of, you know? a little, was he, uh, yeah, he kind of showed you the ropes, showed you the ropes, a little bit? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Tim is a funny guy, you know? He gets, Tim is a funny if, guy. If you can't laugh at yourself or, you know, have, find humor in life and, uh, you know, just go away, <laughs> you, have, you have to be able to laugh at yourself and laugh at others or whatever, you know. Have a good time. That's, that's my motto. And, uh, okay, and I got another one here. Uh, friends, New York City staple and OG since way back. Spencer was one of those guys who had his own original style. Great seeing him channel his passion style into his company, El Senor. Steve Rodriguez. Ah. Ah. That's nice. And I got one more. That's nice. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's a nice little surprise to throw at you. I, you know, I thank everyone for helping out, uh, getting those to me. Um, and uh, Vinny. And joining Vinny Ponty. Yes. But yeah, who, shout out, Vinny. I love that guy. So Vinny said, love child, first thing comes to mind, and now I'm very happy he's doing his jewelry line. 
And he had a lot of like different I, emojis. I, I love Benny. You know, he helped me out a lot throughout the years. You know, he helped a lot of people out, um, myself included. But I, I love Benny. He's a really good dude. Yeah, and Kenny Cook. Who? And Kenny Cook. Wait, but oh, Cook. Yeah. <laughs> cook. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think I've ever had his cooking. I know, he's posting right. all these stories now on Instagram, and I'm like, okay, I'm coming up for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah? Yeah, okay, well, we're going to have to have a cook-off. <laughs> a total cook-off. I'm, I'm, I'm calling him out. I'm calling him out now. <laughs> so, okay, and then I want to go back to also growing up in Northern California. You went to high school, and you actually went to a, I mean, a, I mean, a pretty iconic, like a lot of pretty ama- some pretty amazing skateboarders went there along with yourself, um... Salman Aga, Jerry Sue, and I, and there was one other a skater that went there as well. Um, where did you go to high school? Uh, I went to, um, in uh, my freshman year, I went to Leland High School, which is located in um, South San Jose, California. Mm-hmm. And um, like Mike Lucifer, Santa Cruz. Oh, Lord. Mike Lucifer as well, uh, yeah. Right, professional. Um, Salman Aga, real skateboards, professional, skater year. Myself, professional skateboarder, and then Jerry Hsu, professional skateboarder. And when I was a, a freshman, uh, the star quarterback was Pat Kelman of the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Uh-huh. Hall of Fame, Pat Tillman. <laughs> uh, is he a Hall of Famer, too? I, yeah. I think he is. They just did a football life on him. I know he was a Green Beret, and I know he was killed in Sunny Fire in, like, the Middle East somewhere. So you know, and, uh, yeah, I went to high school with him, and, you know, it's, it's weird being, like, an Asian skateboarder in, like, a, you know, white Asian area, Latin area, and, um, you know, I have to kind of battle the job, you know, throughout my life, where Pat was always a cool guy, you know, it, it, it was uh, like, it was the rest of the things you had to deal with. The smaller cats, it was like my height, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. That's super cool. You know, and then you bring, you know, family. And then I want to talk about, you know, a friend, friends is, is family to me as well. And then your family. Mm. Um, you know, mm. I, I think there is a real strong, you know, I, I know that your, your stepfather, I believe, is the one that kind of taught you initially or you took a class with him uh, on, on learning how to do jewelry. Um, and your mom is no longer with us. Um, I'm sorry, you're kind of breaking up. One more time. And your mom is, um, I, and, and your mom was very instrumental into your life as well. Can you share about your family? Oh, um, uh, well, I'm, I'm fifth generation Japanese American. Um, my, you know, I was I was born here. I was raised here. Um, my, my grandparents are from Hawaii. Um, you know, uh, my mother she she totally supported my skateboarding, sort of. You know, kind of sort of. You know, my father he, he didn't support it too much, and so like later, you know, it, it, yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting. You know, it's a, it's a it's a weird thing, you know, the, the skateboard profession, just because uh, 
you know, in the 90s, uh, making a lot of money to me was like $5,000 a month. You know, that was like crazy money. Uh, yeah, and, you know, 40 years old, 5000 a month, you know, that's like almost poverty. But, you know, um, my parents were, I don't know, I had a deaf father, he was kind of on the fence too. <laughs> I think my mom was probably my number one. I don't even know if she was supporting me, but, you know, she's not supporting skateboarding, but she was supporting just me as a person. Mm-hmm. I believe my mother really believed in me. But, you know, the, the, the future is unpredictable, and, you know, you can do everything you want, and you can try to... You know, because college degree you can succeed, but that doesn't actually guarantee you success. You know, a lot of it I feel like goes through time and love. Oops, I, I, I couldn't hear what you just said. I'm sorry. Oh, timing and love. I don't know. More than, uh, more than actual, like, you know, skills. My phone is kind of bugging. Because uh, I like to hold my phone in my left hand, and they can't actually register this shit. So then, like every time I cheek hits the, the fucking technology, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> technology hates me when I like step near like any kind of screens or buttons or something. Like it starts to smoke, it makes weird noises, and like springs fly out of it, and uh, it doesn't work. You know, the misconceptions like Asians are good, right? So what kind of phone do you have? Do you have a Galaxy or something? <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, just, let me try to touch a couple more buttons on my phone to get this off. All right. Hey, did that work? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're good. I, you go. yeah, I think that worked. That, that yeah, worked. you're good. You're good now. Awesome. Okay, so like I'm just... Right, that's great. Well, I'm... Huh? Super sorry. I'm probably getting in trouble right now. My girl's been calling me like five times because I think it's what made the phone off on me. No worries. <laughs> no, you're all good. Okay, so and the street is dead. I swear <laughs> to God, like I wish New York was like this all the time. If my neighborhood was like this, I'd be Right on. Well, okay, so we will okay, so we can we can wind it up right now. Um I, you know, obviously there was, I mean, Dynasty, Lucky, Alphanumeric Days, you know, like I, gosh, oh, you know, there's God. World Days, like Santa Cruz Days. I mean, you know, um, obviously, you know, I wanted to talk about a few other things, but we are good. You know, EMB, um, one of the golden oh, children shit. of the EMB. That's a whole book. That's a whole book. I need a movie for this. Yeah. That, that's a book. Right? I mean, you know, you Keep going, keep going. Uh, yeah. uh, EMB, EMB is the uh, first one to EMB in about like nineteen ninety, and uh, Lee Smith picked me up with Greg Carroll, and they took me down there. It's fucking crazy, and I never wanted to leave. I always want to say that. Um, well, even profile Lucky skateboards Steve. with Carl and a <laughs> really young Stevie, profile, and... right? That was uh, Carl and Henry Santos' company, and. Um, Henry, like, quit. And then, um, me and Steve, like, was put into position that we needed to be pro. And, uh, we took it. And, um, 
1995. Um, got kicked off Giant Distribution together. His team manager from Element actually called my mother's house and left a um, a voice message on the answering machine, like the the tape set. And when we came home on Sunday night and we pressed play, I pressed play, and it was like, oh, oh, yeah, the kid, he's like, yeah, uh, the team manager from um, Element, he didn't call me as soon as possible. I heard you quit. Think, and I'm like, oh, what, man? If they know, if they know about you, they know about me, because that's the romantic. So it's unfortunate. Um, you know, there was another team writer who had quit like the week before for Man Circle, right? And he had left a voicemail, a voice message, like kind of like that. And I, I felt like I was very wrong, and I didn't really want to do that. So. You know, I, I looked at CV and I was like, I got to go to Frisco tomorrow. Like, you know, I'm like a 30-minute, 45-minute drive. I'm like, I'm, I got to go there tomorrow. I got to go see Justin Gerard and um, quit in person. And, uh, you know, I smoked a blunt with him. And, you know, he already knew. Of course, he already knew. And, uh, you know, I explained to him what was happening. And, you know, he told me to go be with your friends. You know, like, you already made up your mind. I can see that. I, I hear it. You with your friends. That's what you want to do. Go ahead. And, you know, that that, that hurt me because, I mean, you know, I, I you say on purpose, but, it's, you know, fuck, man, the guy's been like my father for, like, years as a sponsor. And I'm telling him, like, yeah, I'm going to hang out with my boys and we're going to try to make money and shit. Um, I, you know, I know it was very hurtful to him, you know, I was saying to him and doing to him, you know, especially being older now. But, you know, he's he mad, you know, which is kind of weird, you know, when you have to quit teams and shit, you think they're going to be really mad at you and shit. Well, yeah, sometimes they are. Sometimes they're very mad at you, and sometimes they understand. They go, you know, do you, man. Go do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. So anyways, you know, we, we kind of got kicked off the team together. And then we turned pro together, and, you know, that's kind of speedy to live, you know, with me and my mom and, you know, put a couple months or whatever, you know what I mean? But, you know, me and Steve are close because, you know, of those things. Like, we, we would quit big sponsors to, like, you know, kind of start something, you know, small, new, cool. And, uh, you know, we try to do that. It, it worked for, you know, a little bit, but, you know, like, that's, that's what it is. And, but, right, look at TV now. And I, uh, it taught me a lot about how to how to persevere and how to, how to work and, you know, how to work when you don't have a whole lot of backing. Mm-hmm. No, and that's something you have. I mean, you've got this work ethic and, you know, we're running out of time and I know your lady has, has been calling in and chiming in, but I, I do, um, you know, you started this amazing, um, amazing, the first skateboarding jewelry line. I mean, and that sounds, you know, and if you look at the pieces, they're amazing. Um, I was really impressed also with one that you handmade during, um, during Hurricane Sandy, uh, Christair. Mm. Um, you know, but there are some beautiful pieces that started with, 
you were doing leather jackets, mm. and then you kind of shifted into making jewelry. Um, we want to. I want to send everybody there because I think they're phenomenal Christmas presents as well. Uh, beautiful pieces, beautiful oh, birthday uh, presents. Yeah, thank you. They make, they make great presents. Um, you know, we have a lot of pieces that are under a hundred dollars. Um, you know, uh, I think if you're like twenty years old and you give someone that really needs something to you a present for Christmas or their birthday under a hundred dollars, that's kind of wild. Well, but, and yeah, know, they're beautiful not, pieces. <laughs> yeah, they're cool. I mean, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I know a lot of skateboarders are, are poor, or don't have a lot of resources to be able to buy accessories like jewelry. But at the same time, a lot of people, no skateboarders, women, men, old people, like everyone knows a skateboarder. I mean, at this point in day. And the fact that just getting a nice present, you know, a lot of times the best presents come in small packages. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm very familiar with those. I mean, my, my family, I'm being raised, I was familiar with those Tiffany's boxes, but not with my husband so much. Oh, <laughs> that little blue box. That yeah. little blue box. Yeah. Exactly. That's all, that's all we're trying to get to. Well, ish. You know, no, but these are beautiful, yeah. and there's like, I mean, there was like a, it's like a rosary, and there's some collab, a lot of collaboration pieces. You've got this amazing mm -hmm. team of uh, phenomenal hip hop mm -hmm. artists and skaters, and I mean, and both everything kind of just everyone is kind of all on the same page. It's uh, it's phenomenal. That's we're trying to. Um, I mean, it's jewelry, so you know, we want to appeal to everyone, men, women, you know. Her supporters, him supporters, Sanders supporters, well, you know, it doesn't really, whatever. If it speaks to you, it speaks to you. Um, you know, as a skateboarder, uh, you know, I, I like to see art and creativity and athleticism, and that's what motivates me. Yeah, and so I no, encourage no. everyone to go. Uh, go to... El Senor New York is uh, the Twitter handle and the Instagram handle, um, or Spencer Fujimoto, uh, both the same handle as well for your personal Instagram and Twitter handle. Uh, you can, can yes, you sir. can just hit contact and or just click the site um, and be able to purchase something, get it ready for you know it's like a good time right now, you know, rather than wait yes, till sir. you know next month. That's Christmas sir. is close, right? Thank you. Yeah, no, thank huge, you. huge yeah. thanks. To thank us you for friends. having me. No, and any last-minute shout-outs? Uh, check the hashtag or the just Google uh, being Asian. <laughs> being Asian in America. It's being Asian in America, just everyone should, being should go Asian check that out. <laughs> okay. Take a look at it. Just take a read. There's actually a hashtag. Um, I think a lot of the hashtags are kind of corny, but... A lot of the articles, like the first page, very, very interesting. All right. So, ha you know, have a good night. Thank you for having me on. Uh, you know, New York is, is very quiet, and uh, we're here. I'm holding it down. I'll sit more in New York. Yes, I got to get out there. I haven't been out there in a little bit. Right on. Huge thanks again, Spencer, for making the time, and uh, 
Have a wonderful night. Much respect, buddy. No doubt. Thank you for having me, and, you know, be safe. See you soon. All right. Sounds awesome. Okay, cool. All right. All right. Yeah, and uh, check Skate Nation. And Skate Nation, yes, on Rye Channel. Yeah, 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 Rye Channel, all right? Thank you. Thank you, love. All right. Thank you so much. All right. Okay. All right, cool. Oh, it's such a bummer sometimes. I hate it that it has to be uh, so quick and close and not, not enough time. But uh, coming up next, uh, this guy has been following the Chargers since 1992. Jay Paris is going to be joining me shortly, and he's got a new book. This is The Desiree Show. Are you tired of pain, taking pills, whether over-the-counter or otherwise? Are you looking for a natural way to help your body and your sanity? that's also affordable, drug-free, and will block your pain? This is Desiree Astorga, and I am grateful to have partnered with a brand I truly believe in, a product I use, and to have Biomedical Life Systems as a sponsor of the Desiree Show podcast. Rebound Sport is your answer. It is for me. This amazing stimulator works with your body to alleviate pains due to overexertion, soreness, even helps strengthen your muscles. Head over to BMLS.com and order yours today. All right. Welcome back. This is the Desiree Show, First Downs and Flip Tricks. And I'm super excited to welcome back pretty much uh, a Charger historian, San Diego historian, staff writer for the San Diego UT, North County Times from 1992 to 2013. He's a three-time recipient of an award from the Pro Football Writers Association, Associated Press Writer, USA Today, correspondent for the MLB. He's got a book that dropped just about two months ago, Game of My Life, San Diego, Mr. Jay Paris. Jay. Man, I, I sound pretty busy. That sounds pretty good. I, I wish it all paid so well. You, yeah, well, you you are busy. <laughs> I'm like, well, he's a historian. <laughs> no, huge thanks again, you know, and, and huge gain, uh, huge uh, congratulations on the book. I know it came out uh, almost about two months ago. Um, I, You know, Dick Emberg writes your foreword. Um, you know, you've covered, I mean, as I mentioned, you're a historian in San Diego. Um, how did that come about? You know, it's uh, uh, 21 Chargers were, were asked to pick the game of their life. And the, the kind of the, the deal on the book was that the reporter didn't pick the game, the, the player got to. So everybody from Ron Mix to Speedy Duncan to Paul Lowe from the 60s to Dan South to Natron Means, Charlie Joyner, all the way up to LT, you know, they were asked which game was the most significant after all these years. And and the answers were, were very compelling and interesting. Some guys picked great wins. Some guys picked losses that, that still sting with them today, and other guys picked uh, uh, personal battles and maybe something was going on with their family. So you kind of you get a real taste of Chargers history, five-plus decades, and, and you get to really see it through the eyes of the players who made the franchise so famous. Yeah, no, it sounds amazing. It sounds truly amazing. I want to buy it for myself, and then I, I probably will also buy it for my father father-in-law. So it is uh, the game of life, San Diego Chargers, correct? Right, game of, game of my life. Game, game of my life, pardon me. No problem. It's just kind of, uh, you know, I'm lucky. I'm blessed. Look, I've been walking in that Chargers locker room for, for 25 years. And, and you get in there, and, and at some point the guys are just sitting around, you know, taking their pads off and, and telling football stories. And, and through this book, I'm just kind of saying, hey, if you're a Chargers fan, why don't you get on my hip here and, and you can walk in that locker room with me and, and not only the Charger locker room, but to the locker room of, of all the Charger greats. So 
you know, it's, you know we're, we're lucky. I'm very blessed to be able to sit there and hear these stories, and hopefully I can share them with the Charger fans. Yeah, no, I mean, Bobby Ross to Mike McCoy, seven different coaches over, you know, since 1992, including Mike Riley, Kevin Gilbride, Norv Turner, Marty Schottenheimer, and even uh, June Jones for a, a short <laughs> batch, you know. Um, nine playoff appearances, seven champ- division championships, and one AFC champion uh, and a Super Bowl appearance. Uh, you know, and I had the opportunity to watch uh, yesterday. I have all the uh, Football Life's uh, DVR'd. Um, that's like one of the only things I watch on TV in the games <laughs> and, uh, and inside the NFL. But um, I hadn't seen Rodney Harrison's yet, and I watched it, and it was fabulous. And then I thought, oh, my gosh, this is perfect, you know, because you – had the opportunity to be there firsthand uh, when he was a player. Yeah, and uh, you know, and, and one thing about the Chargers, you know, they haven't had a lot of championships. Let's be clear, but they've had a lot of championship moments. And guys like Rodney Harrison and LT and Dan Fouts, and Charlie Joyner. I mean, those guys are the the best of the best. And, and while you know, San Diego certainly isn't known as title town, they've certainly had some great individual players. And those players, you know, gave gave memories that uh, resonate, like you said your father or through generations and that's one great thing about about sports is that, that common bond you can share you know with your dad or with your, your wife or with your kids and and uh hopefully the chargers will stick around and we can continue to do that yeah and that's something we will talk about in just a moment <laughs> as well um sure. you know and you know you you share what touches my soul um obviously as a photographer and a writer and working in tv as well um just the stories, the stories, these, the third dimension to these people, the third dimension to what happened that day. Um, it's completely illustrated, I think, for the World Series that we just, you know, that finished last week um, of just so many stories in history. Um, San Diego has their own, and I, and I really look forward to watching this. Um, you know, over the last two decades, though, or, or two and a half decades, you know, you've gone, you've seen a lot of teams go through a lot of adversity. Um, and a lot of ups and downs. Um, what sort of, what few, you know, are there a, f- uh, you know, a few moments that kind of stand out to you? Uh, well, yeah, the one that, that uh, mentioned in, in the book quite a bit was, was LT, LaDainian Thompson, when he set his, his touchdown record. And, and he still has it, 32 touchdowns in 2006. And, and 28 of those was uh, rushing, was running touchdowns. And when he went for the record, um, Lorenzo Neal, the great fullback mm-hmm. who opened up so many holes for LT, he said, LT, we're getting that record and we're getting it right now. You follow my backside and we're heading straight for the end zone. So they're playing the Denver Broncos and sure enough, they run around the left side and LT does what he's told, what any, any good running back does. He follows his big old fullback so he, his fullback so he can clear the way. Lorenzo Neal slips. He falls down. So now it's just LT and a cornerback one-on-one and and LT did what he did so often. He gave the guy a little shake, got around the corner, and scored that touchdown. But he, he didn't spike the ball and, and didn't uh, throw his arms up in the air and, and say, look at me. Instead, he waited for his offensive lineman, and he hugged every one of those guys. And those guys got to share in that record as, as much as LT did. So, you know, the guy, the guy who did the dirty work, the lineman, LT wanted to make sure that uh, they got there, too. And those guys, when they lifted him up on, the, on their shoulders and carried him back to the sideline, it just illustrated the the bond and the affection, you know, those guys had for each other. And LT, there's a the guy who always gets the spotlight in all the commercials and, and making the big money 
And then there's his buddies who are really doing the, the heavy lifting down there so he could do all that. So, you know, that one stands out. And uh, that had happened in San Diego, too, that uh, Charger fans got to really uh, share that big moment with LT. Uh, that one stands out. Now, and I have to think, that was the 2006 season, I think. Uh, well, look, Ladania, I think it was 2006 when he was, 2006 when he was the MVP. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just one of many, uh, you know, Nick Hardwick. Uh, that line <laughs> was another. phenomenal. I mean, that, that offensive line, that, that team was phenomenal. I mean. Uh, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, especially that was, uh, you know, the, the Marty Ball, the last year of Marty Ball, and, and after that, you know, it was a big heartbreaking loss to the Patriots. Which was the game that Donnie Edwards picked? I, you know, I said pick any game you'd like. You know, that, that was the most significant, and he replayed that game and replayed Marlon McCree now falling down on the interception, and it was almost like therapy. He told me that he was able to, you know, get on the couch if you will, and, and retell that story and kind of exercise from it from his thoughts. But you know, that just proves that uh, this game is so funny and it affects people different ways. And and I know fans are upset with losses and fans get mad that the team doesn't shine sometimes. But, you know, these guys have those games with them 10, 20, 30, 40 years later maybe. I mean, there's always that little uh, glitch of, of what might have been. All other guys cherish the, the big games they had as well. Yeah. No, and I had a guest on a few weeks ago, and he shared what how difficult it was when those fans booed at him. You know, and it's the first time yeah. that, you know, and guys don't really share that because that's, that's my thought. The first time I shot the Chargers game, I think it was 2007, I was shooting for ESPN, just stills, and I heard the fans booing, and it was the first time I'd ever heard fans boo their own team. And yeah. um, it really did not resonate well for me. I was reared not to do that. You never boo your own team or another team out of, out of respect and good sportsmanship. Um, and, you know, to hear like you're, you know, I just, it, it just sounded very similar, you know, to what you were sharing about, uh, those special, special stories. Um, you know, and I, I want to let everybody know also, you can follow Jay, if you're not already on Twitter at Jay Paris underscore sports, uh, a great follow. Um, now, That's it. <laughs> and now the chargers are, well, I want to ask what is the best way I saw this book is available on Amazon. Is that the, is that how we want to direct people to purchase your book? Uh, yeah, Amazon.com is fine, and uh, it's going to be start being carried in the Chargers team store as well. Right. Uh, I'm not sure if it'll, yeah, I'm not sure if it'll be there that weekend, this weekend or not, but uh, they're getting on board, and uh, I don't know uh, if you're ever out to Costco. Uh, Costco's covering it, carrying it as well in San Diego County, so that's cool. Oh, awesome. Okay, great. So there's three different venues, three different uh, avenues you can get this book at. Um, and then that's are you right. going to have, you have had some book signings already. Are you going? Are you planning to have any more? Um, yeah, I've got uh, uh, one planned. Uh, I hate to say it, I haven't, I haven't uh, got the actual date yet, so I okay. don't want to jinx it. But uh, I'll, I'll definitely put it out on Twitter, and uh, hopefully when the, when the Chargers get in the team store, too, I'm going to hang out at the team store and, and sign the book and, and talk some Chargers football with some people. That's always fun to do. Yeah, that is amazing. It's, and it's amazing that you're able to share that. You know, and I wanted to ask, okay, 2013 was a little bittersweet. Uh, you had been with UT and with North County Times you were laid off at that point. There, right. We all go through adversity, and it seems like this actually maybe catapulted you into maybe writing this book, or there's always some silver lining, and I see it a lot with football programs and football teams. How did it help you? Well, I think you have to, uh, you know, I was taught, uh, like you were taught, good sportsmanship, 
you know, I was taught not to sit around and complain about the rain. Instead, uh, you know, learn how to dance in the storm. So mm -hmm. you got to dance in the storm sometimes. And and uh, the key is trying to stay in uh, America's finest city, San Diego, or up in North County where I live. So you know, you make do and you you just. Uh, I'm not the only guy in, in the journalism business that had to shake out, or or journalism isn't the only <laughs> new business in this new economy. So. Yeah, you gotta adjust and, uh, you still wanna, still wanna follow that love of, uh, getting the word out about sports and sharing stories and you just kind of, just have to find a different, uh, vehicle to do it in and that, and that's cool and it's worked out well. Yeah, no, and my hat is off. I mean, it is, and I understand it as well because a lot of, you know, with photography as well, it just, Right. It shifted. I mean, there's just the magazines are just so small and everyone thinks they're a photographer just like they think they're writers too. You know, like I, you know, I mean, you know, I, and not to nullify, not to not not encourage people, but you know, I'm I'm a reared of this sort of this respect era, and you know, learning from the best and learning how to withhold that responsibility of that position that you have. Yeah, that's all part of it, and uh, you know, you just uh, just carry yourself like you, and it usually ends up pretty good. Mm -hmm. No, totally, Jay. Okay, now. Um, I, I'm going to have to come down. You're going to have to text me and let me know when you're going to be at the Chargers store, or I'm going to have to come down when I see you at Chargers camp soon. <laughs> absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I do want to ask, though. There is uh, one question. You know, you are one of the few, well, um, who was at, I believe you were at that Super Bowl. I know that you covered that team that went to the Super Bowl. Right. No, I was there, sure. Yeah. What, now, does that team... Does it share any similarities with any of the teams over the last years? I think that team was, uh, uh, they like to run the ball. And with Melvin Gordon, we're starting, certainly seeing that in uh, the Chargers this year trying to do it. But that team, uh, I think Bobby Ross gets a lot of that credit. And uh, the way he was able to bring those guys around. They were about a, a year or two early, really, on their uh, on their timetable to, to getting to that level. And, and for Bobby Ross to, to put it together like he did. A similarity I would see would be at the quarterback position. Stan Humphreys was just a, a great leader. Mm -hmm. And uh, Philip Rivers is a great leader, too. And, and by the way, they're both from the South. One's got a Louisiana accent and the other one in Alabama. So that's pretty funny. But, you know, quarterback, is, uh, he's, a, he's your leader whether you like it or not. And, and I think the Chargers, the, the common bond between those teams would be, you know, Stan Humphreys was, was one tough guy. And he wasn't as chatty as Philly. That's Philip. I'm Phil, you know, he never stops talking, which is good. But but Stan, I think, more led by example, tough guy, would stay in that pocket and just take under assists to, to get the ball downfield to Alper Puno or, or Tony Martin or guys like that. So, you know, when I, I look at a team, I, I, I always look at the quarterback and uh, that, that Super Bowl team and the teams that are here recently with Phillip. You know, you look at Stan Humphreys, you look at Phillip Rivers, and, and you look at that leadership qualities, and, and both of them certainly have it. And you mentioned you bring up another point. You know, you bring up the quarterbacks. You bring up Bobby Ross. You gave Bobby Ross a lot of a lot of credit for this win or for this team as well. Uh, you have seen, as I mentioned earlier, like there's been nine, I believe, seven different coaches um, right. since you have covered the team. Uh, you know, um, I mean Marty. I mean, and some Hall of Famers for for sure. Uh, at least, at least two probably Hall of Famers on that list. I would think so, yeah. I mean, I at least. And um, what do you, I mean, and 
everybody is different in their a different era in their careers as well. Do you see any similarities, or what are the po- you know you you mentioned Philip and you mentioned Bobby Ross and you mentioned Stan Humphreys, but you don't mention um, Mike McCoy. Yeah, I, I think the jury's still out there. Uh, let, let's face it: uh, last season four and twelve for Mike, worst season since two thousand three. Uh, this year they lost three of their first four. Now it looks like they've kind of found their footing of late, and, and they've really uh, had a nice resurgence. If they could beat Miami on Sunday, they won three of their last four games. They get the five hundred mark. They, they rest up on a bye. It's a six game sprint, you know, to the finish, but. Unfortunately, yeah, the toughest division. Course, <laughs> yeah, that's right. But the NFL is all about wins and losses, and, and people know that getting into business. And, and I think Mike's been okay here, and, and okay might be a charitable. And, and he just has to win. I mean, that that's what it comes down to. And, and when you don't win, uh, head coaches lose their jobs. Now, he, he certainly seems to got around that this year, and, and good for him. He, he always hates to see anybody get fired. So it's going to be interesting going forward. I mean, uh you know, they gave him an extension coming into the season. He, he redid his whole offensive staff, so he, he let go of some coaches to, to get it right. And, and right now they're playing well. And I, I know the way they lost games in those fourth quarters in the last couple of minutes was unprecedented. And I, I think it speaks fairly highly of Mike that instead of the Chargers uh, kind of playing the pity card and, and going, well, is me when everything was going wrong in games that looked like they were going to win. They've continued to play hard, and they've continued to play for Mike, and they've continued to uh, stay relevant in the playoff talk. You know, AFC West is probably the best best division in, in the football, but the Chargers still, if they can hang around and finish strong, they'll be in the hunt for an AFC playoff team. Playoff card now, that's saying a lot. they got to do their, their end of it, and, and sometimes that can prove difficult. But at least they're in the conversation. At least there's hope. At least people are, can stay excited about Chargers football as it enters its final two months. Yeah. Well, no, and I think very very telling as well as Inside the NFL did a piece, and I haven't been able to see it yet. He was mic'd up for NFL Films, and it's on Inside the NFL. I will see it tonight because I don't have Showtime. I only have NFL <laughs> Network, so I have to wait till Wednesday nights. But, um, you know, I don't know if you've – did you – I mean, and I think that's telling because they do – they do gravitate towards winning teams or stories of teams. And so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to hearing. I mean, I, I hear him when I'm down there, but, like, you know, to hearing what he's actually saying, it was pretty cool that they did him. Yeah, it's, a, it's a kind of uh, neat that the NFL is letting you kind of peek behind the curtain or, or give you that inside access. And, uh, you know, every coach, you know, coaches differently. There's certainly no uh, one way to do it. And, you know, Mike's certainly gets along with the players and uh, he's an agreeable guy so they stay hot and, and you know when down the stretch he's certainly not going anywhere but he does have to produce that's just the nature of this beast yeah definitely the nature of the beast now uh miami's coming in and they're going up they're going to stay in town actually and then they're going to go up to up the road to los angeles but what i wanted to bring up real quickly is this the obviously the vote measure c and measure d um and spanos not uh, indicating that he's not going to say anything until the end of the season. Um, what is your hunch? I mean, I know it's like reading a crystal ball, but what are, or what are your thoughts? I think they'll, they'll revisit the Mission uh, Mission Valley site. I mean, that's uh, overwhelmingly the place where everybody wants to go. It just seemed like it would be such a shoehorn to, to put that big stadium and convention center and all that downtown where, where it's pretty tight as a as, uh, as it is now, I think people like going to Mission Valley. <laughs> they 
they know the freeways. They aren't even driving there, you know, after Balboa Stadium. They've been driving there since 1967. So it's just a, it seems like it's such a an open canvas with all that land there that they could really construct something cool. And and let's face it, too, uh, you know, Mr. Spanos' leverage has been knocked down a couple times now. You know, it wasn't that long ago where he was a slam dunk to, to move to Carson with the Raiders. Well, that didn't work. And then it was a slam dunk. He was going to move in with the Rams, and, and they hit the pause button on that one. Well, and we and all knew was, that wasn't to move in with somebody. And then, then it was downtown, and that's not going to work. So, you know, all these plans that the team was real confident in, uh, none of them yet have come to fruition. So, you know, I, I think he's going to approach the city a little bit with, with his hat in the hand. Now, the NFL, they still want public financing. They're still going to push hard on that. But uh, I like the city's negotiating uh, stance a little bit better now. And, you know, th- this isn't impossible. I mean, people can get this done. But I think you have to recognize and appreciate San Diego's lack of an appetite for spending taxpayer funds. That's just a fact of life. No, it doesn't happen in every city. Yes, other cities put their hotel tax on it. Yes, other cities charge it in the rental car. Whatever. San Diego is different, and and you just have to accept that at some uh, at some point. And I think at some point, you know, the NFL might need San Diego more than San Diego needs the NFL. You know, NFL loves San Diego. It, it's a destination city. It, they can talk about growing the game. Well. There's the border right there. I mean, there's your international market. So, well, it's I mean, already NFL, in place. I mean, it's really yeah, already in place. I mean, it, it, it's already there. So, you know, I, I think this uh, this saga is far from over, and I, I bet they look at Mission Valley uh, once again. Well, no, and I like that you bring up Mission Valley because, you know, I ask people randomly, I'll ask different fans and people I know, and everyone is Mission Valley, you know, and you brought right. up this, you know, it is an iconic spot. Um, it's it's something they're familiar with. It's a tradition. They want the same, but better. You know, they want you know they want to get off on Arrow Drive, and you know, <laughs> I mean, right. you know, I mean, or, or or go the back way and cut through you know the city that little town. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, or you know, there are all the different routes getting in uh, to to Qualcomm Stadium. Um, but I like that you bring that up as well, and. You know, interesting as well, because I don't think of it, it's, it is just something, I was raised in Newport Beach, and so I, right. since we, I've been down here since 98 with my husband, and I have, it is definitely different in San Diego, like the, all, it's all different in downtown San Diego, um, seems to have bumps that I never came across uh, growing up. Yeah, I think it's, you know, the, the transitional you know, nature of the city where so many people are maybe moving in here and, and with the beaches and weather, I mean, there's just a lot of stuff to do. And, and to think that a city that uh, watches its purse strings pretty tight and, you know, let's face it too, it's a lot of military, a lot of fixed incomes, you know, especially years ago. And they're not really eager about getting rid of their money. So, you know, the, the, this can be worked out. It just uh, just because this plan didn't didn't make it or didn't fly doesn't mean that you know it's over or anything like that. It, uh, I bet there's a plan B already in place, and I bet uh, they're probably already hopefully already talking about it. Because you know, let's face it, nobody wants to lose the Chargers, and and uh, you know those Chargers fans have made that franchise what it is. There's a reason why it's worth two billion dollars. It's because for 55 years, San Diego fans have invested emotionally and financially into the team, and and they should be rewarded for that. Right on, right on. Okay, just two more quick questions. Um, sure. One, you also are from North County. We share that. 
um, how it's it's been frustrating for me not to be able to do anything, not to be able to vote on. It was frustrating for me not to be able to have the opportunity to vote on Measure C or Measure D. Yeah, it was interesting. It wasn't a countywide vote. It's such a region-wide and county-wide, uh, you know, entity, the charters. You know, I don't know if, were, if that was uh, legislature stuff they couldn't get through or, or because if you put it on the county vote, something else might, might happen. And, and this really circles back to him picking downtown. I mean, Mayor Faulkner had his stadium task force. I mean, they checked all this out. And the least resistance to building a state-of-the-art facility was going to, to Mission Valley. And, uh, that already had some money, you know, set aside for it. Instead, it seemed like they took the route that had the most obstacles, and that was to downtown. So, you know, maybe when the next one comes around, the, the county could pitch in because it, it is odd you're asking the city of San Diego to really make a decision that affects the whole region. Yeah, it totally does. I mean, in North County, it's a lot. I mean, it's – and El Cajon was excluded right? as well, oh, yeah. I mean, which I mean, is a huge – you know, the Blue Cross – yeah, thousands down there. So, and uh, then the last question then would be, obviously, this weekend. Uh, Chargers are hosting, hoping to get to 500 this weekend versus hosting Miami. Uh, and and a pretty good and hungry Miami team. Yeah, Miami's won three in a row, and, and they're really just like the team that just left there, the Tennessee Titans. They're going to lean on the running game with Jay and Jay, who, who's had uh, three straight 100. Yeah. He's been unbelievable. Two straight 200-yard games. Three straight 100 yards. So, I mean, the, the Chargers are going to be well-versed in how to stop it. I think the Chargers are on a roll a little bit, and I think they take this one against Miami. They've been looking forward to getting to that buy at, at 500. But Miami has won three in a row, but those have all been at home, come across country. Ryan Tannehill against Phillip Rivers. I'll go with Rivers any day. I say the Chargers, 23-17. Okay, awesome. Well, yeah, and I like the fact that they had 14 points on defense alone last week. That's right, and, and that defense has really come on with Joey Bolster getting the play and, and Brian Meebane in the middle. It's just, uh, it, it seems like the team can lean a little on the defense now, you know, instead of having to lean on Philip Rivers and his arm for every instance. That defense is coming on, looking good against the run, and they're going to need it this week against Miami. Well, and Melvin as well in the running game. And seeing Gates block like he did last week was amazing. Like, I can't, I've never seen him block that much. Um, I mean, I know I've, I've seen him do the pick plays, but not the blocking like that that he did this last week. It was phenomenal. Yeah, it just seemed like the whole line's playing better, and a lot of that goes back to health. I mean, they used 24 different guys up there last year, and, and just imagine if you're a rookie running back, Melvin Gordon, trying to find your way in the NFL, and you can't really get that consistency with the guys up front struggling to find that rhythm as well because there are just so many different guys in there in different combinations. So... Those guys are staying healthy. Melvin Gordon's running with confidence. He's seen the hole, hitting the hole. He's not dancing a lot back there. He's getting to it quick. And uh, he really grew up last Sunday. That was a, his yeah. coming out party. Is, is 200, pl- 260, I think, or too close to 260, right, like all-purpose all yards. It was crazy. Um, yeah, it was crazy. And uh, hopefully he can build on that. And uh, that takes the pressure off Phillips. You know, he, he, it's hard when you're asked to win the game every game. And that's almost what they've done. If, if Melvin can help out defense is coming on could be an interesting final two months here down the stretch of the season yeah well and anybody becomes one-dimensional if you do not have a running game you cannot throw the ball I, I don't care how good the quarterback is I mean you can't throw the ball every down you, you just right. can't I mean you just can't do it and they the defense I mean there's just no way 
Um, you know, so it's really exciting that uh, Melvin is being able to, and he, what I've noticed also is he's become patient and trusted his guts as well. You know, a little right. bit. I mean, you know, he's he, kind he of. Was, he was a rookie. Yeah. It, no, it's. Yeah, uh, and he's, you know, he's got a former teammate there now, too. But regardless, I, you know, maybe that helped, too. But I know that he, Chris Watt wasn't playing last week, I don't think, though. Or was he? I don't think he played last week. Uh, you know, he maybe just very sparingly. But, but the Chargers did make a big, you know, they made the commitment to Melvin in the offseason. Matt Slauson, a, a veteran center up front, you know, with the run blocking and then getting Derek Watt uh, from Wisconsin, his former teammate, who, who opened up the holes of the fullback there. So, I mean, the Chargers said they wanted to run the ball all training camp, and, and it seems like they kind of got a little way away from it early in the season. Melvin had a couple fumbles that, that kind of had people a little worried, but uh, since about week three or four, he, he has really come on. And, and uh, Mike McCoy said he's going to ride him, ride his, his bell cow, he calls him, as far as he can, and I don't blame him. No, it's good, and I noticed that even during training camp, as I'm sure you did, he had a different persona this year. I just kind of, he had like sort of like a calmness and not this cocky kind of not wanting. He seemed just more grounded, I thought, more mature. Well, it, it, yeah, it's humbling. I mean, he went from being a Heisman Trophy finalist to gaining 2,000 yards for Wisconsin to, to not gaining 100 yards in the game and not scoring a touchdown. That's a pretty big drop off. You know? So, uh, you know, it can be a humbling game. And, and uh, the key is, is how you react to the adversity and how you react to being humbled. If he started pouting, the Chargers would have known they didn't have a player. They thought they did. Instead, he went to work. Worked with Adrian Peterson in the offseason. Got after a good, showed up in camp in a good attitude. And look what it's done for him. Yeah, no, it's, it's been exciting. Right on. Well, huge, huge thanks. Uh, any shout-outs? Or when, obviously, we're going to send everybody to your Twitter feed, Jay Paris. Yeah, uh, Twitter feed. Sports. Uh, uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, game of my life, Chargers. Great great holiday gift for any uh, any Charger fans you know on your list. And... Uh, the biggest shout-out would be to Friday. Uh, happy Veterans Day to everybody in our military. Uh, love what you guys do, and uh, can't, can't thank you enough from the Paris family. I'll say that. Right on. Much respect to you. Thanks so much, Jay. All right. Always enjoy being on the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks. All right, you guys. Bye-bye. Uh, Bye-bye. All right, cool. Huge, huge thanks to Jay Paris uh, for making the time tonight as well, and you guys for tuning in, for PJ for continuing to record for me, um, and thanks to Alex Corpin, Vinnie Pont, um, Steve Rodriguez. I want to thank Spencer Fujimoto for making the time tonight as well, Tim Ware, and, or not Tim Ware, um, did I say Tim Ware? I'm I'm losing my marbles. Um I did say Tim Ware, and I'm thinking of, actually, Tim Ware was on the show a little while ago, and I called him earlier this week, and my Tim Gavin, <laughs> sorry, Tim, <laughs> I wanted to say thanks, Tim Gavin, as well, uh, for making the time to get me those quotes uh, for Spencer, and huge thanks again to Jay Paris. Um, you can follow him again at Paris underscore sports, or you can also follow Spencer at Spencer Fujimoto. Um, on at Twitter and also Instagram, same handle and Elsinore New York for both Twitter and handle for his brand as well for the jewelry. So uh, go and check out and definitely want to go get that book, The Game of My Life, San Diego Chargers by Jay Paris and or some uh, Elsinore jewelry for your friends or your family members. All right, you guys have a dynamite week and I am out. Thanks for bearing with me tonight.
ね。